But this morning we're going to take a little detour off of the prophecy for a little bit, out of Luke 21. We'll return there next, next week. Um, but there's something I wanted to talk about this morning uh, that we'll spend just a little bit of time on and think through. Uh, you know, we've all seen what's going on in the world and so many different things. And there was this week, normally this sort of stuff, we've talked about it, we've gone it, and I would pass over it. But there were, I don't know if it was just me or what, but there were a couple of statements or things I heard this week that uh, had me pause and had me consider about it's about the peace that Jesus brings to people and what that means in our world. I'm not here to speak to the world and to speak to the larger issues, just simply to speak to the people of God about one of the great truths and the beauties that comes with the gospel. One of the things that makes the gospel so beautifully powerful in this world uh, there is so much right now in the world which is trying to divide us and to separate people over so many different things. Um, some, some things are large and important and complex issues and some things that are, are out there trying to divide us are simple and ridiculous and things like that. But there are so many things right now that are constantly being pushed on us to divide people to divide people from themselves, from their families and, and friends and good people and even godly people. And as we've, we've talked, as we've gone through Luke 21, Jesus is telling us that the world isn't going to get better. It's going to get worse, and we, we understand that in, in many ways. But one of the things that Jesus does remind us as the people of God is that we can have peace, genuine peace, in times of trouble and turmoil. And as the world progresses in its path of sin, we can trust God, we can have peace, and we can have peace with God and we can have peace with other people. And so that's what I want to think about this morning is this idea that Jesus is our peace. And consider what that means, what it means for Jesus to be peace. I want to look this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 14 through verse 18 and then take just a couple of moments this morning to consider some truths here. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, and thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit, to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, again, we thank you to be able to be here together to experience your word gathered. So we ask for your blessing this morning in that. Encourage us through the glorious truths that you show us about who you are and what you bring to this world. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this passage has been on my mind 
pretty much all week from from Monday. And I don't remember when I first heard, but I was listening. I don't listen to the news much uh, these days, just enough to know what's going on and follow things up. But uh, as I was hearing these tensions between Australia and China as they they grow, and somebody reported that China was telling uh, uh, telling their people that Australia is not a good place to come and. Australians don't like the Chinese. The only thing I could think of was my Chinese sisters. And those that are viewing sometimes and joining us over the internet from China. And I thought, all I could think of was, I, I, I wish that I could express somehow how deeply I love these people. And then it branched out and I, I began to think yet again, on the beauty of the people that gather here each week and what that means, the diversity of it. And that's what, that's what kept bringing this passage to my mind and, and I think you'll see as we go through why so much uh, because we're constantly bombarded at the moment with so many things to divide us and so many things to separate us that we as the people of God need to genuinely be reminded of what brings us together and what unites us and what shows us the glory of people. You know, even, even as we look out onto the unsaved world, there is, there is much which divides the unsaved from the saved. But one thing that doesn't is we all have what, it, what we call the imago Dei, the image of God. Every person is designed and created and born in the image of God. And this brings us together. This is what gives us, through Jesus Christ, this beautiful and unique picture of the world. So I want to think this morning just a little bit about what is peace and how can we have peace. The answer is very simple. The answer is Jesus. He's at the center of it. Paul tells us here in in our text in Ephesians 2 that Jesus, that Christ is our peace. Verse 14 begins, for he himself is our peace. And that is the main focus of the rest of this passage. Everything that goes on, it it builds from that thought. That's the key thought there. For he himself is our peace. And Paul wants to show us how and why and what the results are of Jesus being our peace. What that means for that statement that he is our peace. In fact, through the whole book of Ephesians, Paul uses the word peace eight times. Four of those are in the passage we just read. So that's the key thought here is he's, he's really trying to drive home the peace that comes to God's people through Jesus Christ. There is so much important about that first phrase, about he is our peace. The first thing it does is it sets our identity this is one of the things, you know, we, we went through, it's probably been, was it two or three years ago, that we went through Ephesians. And that was the main theme we saw of it, was that Ephesians, Paul is trying to show us who we are, our identity. So many in the world today are trying to find their identity. And that's what's causing our divisions in so many ways, is we're identifying this. And if I identify here, then it means I can't identify with that, or it's dividing. And Paul is showing us a unique and beautiful way that God brings identity to us in Jesus Christ. Now, you'll notice that many of the the English translations almost repeat themselves in that first state. It says, for he himself is our peace. 
the reason it repeats it, the reason it has himself in there is because the he is emphasized, it is emphatic. And so in the English, we don't really have a way to kind of make that known, so we repeat it, for he himself, that is, this is, this is powerful, this is emphatic, this is absolute, this is really important. So we've added that himself in there to give that emphasis. He himself is our peace. See, we're being told about who we are and, and what Jesus has done in our life. So the key to the passage here isn't about, about the benefits of Christ or the benefits of peace. The key to the passage here is that we find peace in Jesus. It's about what Jesus does in us and through us. Everything is founded in Jesus. So Paul puts the emphasis there immediately. And he tells us that he is our peace. Paul doesn't describe peace as a thing or as a feeling even. Paul describes peace as a person. Peace is not how I feel. And peace is not a circumstance I am in. Peace is Jesus Christ. Which is why he says, for he himself is our peace. See, without Jesus, the old saying goes, without Jesus there is no peace. And the reason it's an old saying is because it's absolutely true. Without Jesus, there is no peace. He is peace in his very person, in his very nature. Peace isn't just about his message. So it's not just about what he said. He wasn't just preaching peace. Peace is about him. Consider the, the, the prophecies and the things spoken about him when he came the first time when he was born. Isaiah 9 verse 6 describes to us the nature of Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his na- uh, shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What did they announce at his birth? The angels sang in the heavens, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Goodwill to men. When did peace come to earth? When Christ came. That last night, before Jesus is about to be crucified, he speaks to his disciples. And we'll talk more about the context of this next week when we get into Luke 21 and see what he says there. But on that last night, Jesus says in John 16, verse 33... These things I have spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He is peace, and he is our peacemaker, which means he desires our peace. It's what he longs for, it's what he desires, he desires our peace. Now, peace is not just the the lack of hostility. It's not just the absence of, of fear or the absence of trouble. Peace is much bigger than that. Peace is about acceptance. Peace is about mutual acceptance. It's God's desire for our greatest good. That's what peace is. Peace is, is, is God's desire for our greatest good. He wants to make, he wants to have us be acceptable to him and, and us to find him and accept him as who he is. It includes acceptance. 
we can have a relationship absent of trouble, but not truly peaceful. It's true, we can have a relationship where there isn't trouble, but we wouldn't generally call it peaceful. And that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for uh, a place where, where there is acceptance, there is genuine, true peace. An atmosphere where the best is sought. Where we want the best for one another in that relationship. We have a great need for peace. All of this calls us to look to Jesus. You know, this has been the, the, the theme running through Luke 21 as we've looked at it so far and as it continues to go through, is with all that's going on and with all that characterizes this age, we need peace. This is why Jesus constantly reminds us in that passage of his peace. You know, everything about our world shouts out that we need peace. We see it constantly at the moment. You know, the, the Luke reminds us that we're going to see that constantly. You know, the world isn't going to find uh, the peace it's looking for in the way we're going because we're ruled by sin. You know, civilizations and Nations are divided over race and over immigration, over religion and over a thousand different things. And all of these things feed our own already gigantic insecurities. As these things feed into us, they they grow. Because what feeds it all is sin. Sin is essentially selfishness. This causes division. It causes us to be the, the enemies of peace. And this is as true in the people of God as it is true in the world. Sin lets to go in our life will cause division. That's what it does because it is selfishness. James reminds us of this very thing when he writes in in his letter in James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, where do wars and fights Come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Where does the the confrontation come? Where does the, the wars come between people and nations? It comes because we want our own desires met. And no matter how how much we fight for those desires and how much we pursue those desires and no matter how much we try and conquer others in the place of seeking those desires, we never find them. We never find what we were looking for, just another cause for division, another cause to fight Not only does sin put us at odds with each other, but it makes us enemies with God. So if Jesus is peace, to be enemies with God is to be void of peace. There can genuinely be no peace if you have no relationship with God. That's why Paul tells us that he is our peace. Peace between all. Paul focuses on two areas here. That we have peace with God and that we have peace with one another. I do love how he says, for he is our peace. 
And then he talks as he goes through this about those who are near and those who are far away. Speaking more particularly of Jews and Gentiles, but how different they are and saying it doesn't matter where you are. He is our peace. He can be peace no matter where you are, no matter where you come from. Jesus gives peace which can bring together opposites. Jews and the Gentiles were bitter towards one another. But then as we watch the gospel move through the world, we see people who were bitter enemies become friends, become family. When he says that he is our peace, he also means that peace is available to all. To all. John chapter 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. His peace, which is unique and godly and eternal and glorious. Christ is peace. Secondly, Christ makes peace. Verse 14 continues, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. See, by being peace... Christ is able to break down what separates us. He breaks down what separates us. He talks about breaking down the the middle wall that separates us. Maybe what he had in mind here was the wall that separated the Gentiles from the Jews in the court of the temple, where there was a sign on there that said, if you weren't a Jew, you could not pass this wall into that part of the temple. The Gentiles had to stay out there. And and Paul writes, it's as if when Jesus came, he came and he literally knocked down that wall. There is nothing to separate us anymore. We can think of it more figuratively, if you want, about the things which divide us anyway. The walls which come up between us, and Jesus is able by his peace to bring down those walls, the animosity that exists between people. We live in the same attitude in, in this world. You know, there was a, I read uh, just yesterday uh, another article about a study that, that came saying that as if we didn't have enough things to divide us, now what apparently we know is that dog people are far more likely to be uh, positively religious than cat people. We studied this. So if you're a dog person, you are more likely to be a positively religious person than a cat person. Now, I'm a dog person, uh, but that's ridiculous. We don't need any more ridiculous stuff to divide us like this. To divide people on these things. We, we have enough that is dividing the people of God already. With politics and, and all of these things going on. Jesus brings peace to break down those walls. To break down the animosity and the, the, the envy and the, the spite and bitterness which has grown between people. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to trivialize things. I know there are things that we deal with in this world which are, they are complex and they are difficult to unravel in terms of the way that practically it needs to be worked out. 
But what Jesus, what Paul is showing us here is that Jesus does that. He is able to break down the wall so that we can get past these things we've built up between us. So we can move beyond those things. They don't divide us any longer. Jesus is the answer. It seems trite. It seems simple. But the answer to the problems in our world is Jesus. And this is why in a world so divided and so overcome with so many different fears and troubles, the people of God need to be living and proclaiming the gospel as boldly as ever. This will move us into what we talk about next week, what that happens as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the world needs to hear that Jesus is the answer. It says that he abolished the law. The law for Jew and Gentile was really what divided the two. The Jews hung everything on the law. It was what separated them from the rest of the world. They had the law. They had God's guidance. They had God's favor. And as odd as it seems, because the law was designed to show that we can't keep the law, but as odd as it seems, the Jews used the law, which they couldn't keep, as a way of pride. We have the law, and we keep the law better than you keep the law. We are better than you. He's using that as an example of what divides us. And Jesus says that the law, which is this symbol of what divides you, I've, I've done away with. He says, I've completed it. I've, I've made something better than that. The law was just to show you that you can't achieve what you think. He made it powerless. This is what I love about the words Paul uses here. Right, so he writes in this and he's talking about what divides us and how Jesus takes down what divides us. But he doesn't use simple uh, uh, words like Jesus has made us come together. He uses strong words like, like this. He has broken down the middle wall. Or verse 15, having abolished in his flesh what separates us. Abolished means to make powerless completely do away with. So when Paul writes about what Jesus does in the lives of people, he says the things that divided us, Jesus completely crushes. He makes them completely powerless. Sin no longer has the power to divide. Too often we give it the power to divide, but in Christ, it no longer has the power over us. How has he rendered these things powerless? How is he able to break down what divides us in his flesh through the cross? Christ's death completely fulfilled the law. His death completely satisfies the payment for sin. In Christ on the cross, true peace was made possible. Absolutely possible. The way in which enemies could be made friends was in Christ. We must start here. If we're going to be a people of peace, we must start here. And here's what he does. See, when he breaks down that middle wall, 
when he breaks down what divides us, when he has conquered over sin so that sin no longer has power over us, so that we're no longer dominated by our selfish desires, so that we don't have to live for our own selfish gain, but we can pursue Christ, there is a great change which happens. And so in verse 15, he says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments, continued in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. What God did not do through Jesus Christ's death on the cross, breaking down what divides us, what God did not do is make a hybrid people. He created something new. Something entirely new. He takes the two. He takes two people, two groups from entirely different backgrounds, with entirely different uh, motives and perspectives, and two people with entirely different moves in sin, and he breaks down those walls and he makes one new person, one new thing, something which was previously unknown. A new race for which he is the second Adam, the head. Not Jew, not Gentile, Christian. Something new. He created something greater. Love how the church father Chrysostom described it. And he said it like this. He says, it's as if one should melt down one statue of silver... And one statue of lead, and the two together should become gold. That's what Paul is talking about. He's taking two completely different things, and he makes one new thing out of it. It's not a mixture of lead, and it's not a mixture of silver. It's gold. Something entirely new, which means there is no such thing in Christ's kingdom as a Jewish Christian. There is no such thing in Christ's kingdom as an American Christian, or an Australian Christian, or a Chinese Christian, or an Afghani Christian, or a Malaysian Christian. These do not exist in the kingdom of God. There is only Christian. That's it. This is the beauty of what God brings to his people. That we are a new people, undivided by everything else that separates, but his own special people. We are created in him. And so as this new people, as this new thing, living like Christ is what brings peace between us. As new people in Christ, peace between us is possible. Those things which divided us are now powerless. That is, because of Christ, we can live together in true peace and unity. How does this happen? How are we able to do that? By living like Christ, by pursuing him. Christ is the peace, and as we pursue him, it brings peace between people. 
We often describe it like this in marriage. When you say, talk about marriage and you have a husband and you have a wife who are two separate people. But if you put God at the center of your marriage and both of you pursue God, you're both pursuing the same goal. And as you both pursue the same goal, you naturally become closer together. And it's true of all of God's people. When we all put our eyes on Christ and we all seek the same end, we naturally come closer together. God, by his very grace and his goodness, bring us together. Christ is peace, and as we pursue him, he brings peace between his people. What does it look like? It means we are forgiving. It means we're helping, we're comforting, we're empathetic, we're sympathetic, we're strengthening. Remember we said one of the things that defines genuine peace is not the absence of trouble, but seeking the very good of those around us. And that is what brings peace between God's people. Not seeking our own, but seeking the good of those around us. He makes peace between us, and he makes peace between us and God. We're the ones at fault in this relationship, not God. He makes peace with us. And when we find his peace, we are no longer under his wrath. Christ is peace. Christ makes peace. And lastly, Christ brings peace. He preaches peace to all. It says in verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. It's a new perspective here. He briefly speaks of the results of peace. And it's interesting here that that Paul mentions the Gentiles first. He says, and he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off, the Gentiles, and to those who were near, the Jews. And that's interesting, and I think purposeful, because usually when it speaks of the gospel and how it came out, the gospel came to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But here, Paul flips that. He says, it doesn't really matter. Because the gospel was preached to all. To Gentile and to Jew. God brings peace to all of us. When he left this earth, Jesus commanded his disciples, which would be the command of the church and the mission of every church to follow that, go to the ends of the earth, to every tribe and every tongue and every nation in the world and preach the gospel. So he concludes this thought in verse 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. He is the one who brings us to the Father. One of the the beauties, and, and Paul is very good at this, seeing and expressing it, but one of the beauties I love about these passages is how well Paul intertwines the whole Trinity into these things, how we see the work of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and every aspect involved in our life. They are all actively involved in him, and through the Spirit, we have access to the Father. Remember I said that peace isn't just the lack of hostility. It's not just that we're not under God's wrath anymore. So peace with God isn't just that I'm not under judgment anymore. But rather it is that I am completely accepted by him. God accepts me fully. He has called me near. 
See, I, I'm the one who broke the relationship with God. I'm the one who is at, at enmity with God. But in the forgiveness that he offers and accepting the forgiveness, God doesn't say, all right, I'll just not punish you anymore. He says, not only will I not punish you anymore, I'm going to draw you into my side. That is the peace we are to emulate. But if I want peace with people, it's not just about being not angry with them. It's about drawing them in, accepting, loving, forgiving. Seek him and know him. It's a relationship of security, of certainty, of love. It's a relationship of absolute and true peace. Now, one thing is for sure. We cannot bring peace to this earth. No matter how much we love and no matter how much we preach the gospel and tell people of Jesus, you and I cannot bring peace to this earth. Only Jesus can do that. And he will. And that's part of what we're looking at when we look through Luke 21 is how he will bring peace to this earth. But right now we live in a world of sin. And sin is a thief. Sin is a robber and it steals our peace takes away what we should and could have in God, makes us fear and it makes us worry, makes us suspicious and proud and arrogant. It literally destroys relationships. It destroyed our relationship with God and it destroys our relationships with those around us. We need Jesus. He is our peace. He is the only way that we can have peace with God, and he is the only way we will ever have peace with the people around us. But Paul reminds us in Romans that we need to, as much as is possible within us, to live at peace with all men. Without Christ, it is impossible, for he himself is our peace. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father... We are all well aware of the division that exists in our world in so many ways. We know why it's there. It's there because of sin. Every single one of us are seeking our own gain. We're fueled by pride and selfishness in this world. And all that does is divide. And as long as we continue to pursue our selfish desires, we will see nothing but division and trouble. Dear God, as your people, we thank you that you have broken down those things which divide us. And you have opened the way and given us power over those things so they no longer have dominion over us. But now we can celebrate the differences. We can enjoy one another. We can build peaceful relationships with one another as we pursue you in a relationship of peace. Help us, dear God, to be shining lights of your peace, to preach the gospel of peace in this world. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.